The sun's a shining in Oxford, Mississippi. Cookouts in the Grove, beer showers. It's just the very best time for an old Miss Rebel to get out and get going. Carry front door peace of mind with you everywhere you go with Eufy Video Lock. Never has home security been so easy. Eufy Video Lock, an all-in-one security device for your front door, allows you to keep an eye on everything back home. And it's so easy. Installation requires only a screwdriver, so ditch those house keys forever and give Eufy Video Lock a try today. There's no monthly fee, and Eufy Video Lock has customer support on standby 247 to help you with any and all home security needs. Go ahead, have your home as fun in the sun with the assurance your home is in good hands with Eufy Video Lock. Eufy Video Lock's built-in camera can tell you who's at your front door from the comfort of your poolside chair. So search Eufy Video Lock today. That's E-U-F-Y Video Lock. Or visit eufyofficial.com slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door. That's Eufy Video Lock, a proud sponsor of this, the Talk of Champions Podcast Network. It's concert season, and concert season is all about the boots. Already Oxford and Ole Miss have seen Morgan Wallen lighted up at Vaught-Hemingway Stadium. Ole Miss football star and Talk of Champions podcaster Jared Ivey bemoaned how his boots were lacking. He should have gone with Tecovis, the only stop for the Ole Miss fan and the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings for the spring and summer, including timeless, always-on-trend styles in men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. Stop by your local Tecovis store and have a complimentary drink or two on the house while you shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and a friendly staff are at your service, and many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it to a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. You've walked this path many times before. It's a chance to think, especially about your future. How will you turn your retirement dreams into reality? Will you have enough gold for your golden years? Your choices for building funds for retirement can be complicated. Fortunately, you have a friend in the community who can help you make the right decisions. That's your modern Woodman agent. Your agent is a skilled professional who will listen to your needs and desires and then work with you to create a plan that uses the right financial products to achieve your retirement goals. Build a lasting professional relationship with a trusted financial advisor. Hi, this is Thomas Chandler, your local Modern Woodman representative. Give me a call today at 662-296-0186. Let's make a difference together. Hotty toddy and go Rebs. Get in touch with your agent today. Modern Woodman of America. Touching lives, securing futures. You're listening to Talk of Champions, an Ole Miss Spirit podcast with Ben Garrett. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter and in the guest co-host chair today. Mackenzie Salmon. She's the digital sports reporter and videographer for the Clarion Ledger. She was in Oxford this weekend for Ole Miss Mississippi State. She just drops in whenever she wants to. And I told her, it's time to come on Talk of Champions. Mackenzie, how are you? I'm good. Thank you for having me on. You know, I'm always down to get on podcasts and stuff like that. I love talking. Yes, you (laughs) do love talking. That's what you and I share. That's something we have in common. We both like to talk a lot. We find each other at the games and just talk to each other. Just about really stupid things. Yes. Exactly. Really dumb things. But you were in Oxford this weekend and you saw Mississippi State sweep Ole Miss. Ole Miss then goes to Arkansas State and loses in disastrous fashion. Again, Parker Caracy, blown save. Ole Miss can't hold a 5 nothing lead. We'll get into all of this. Today's guest on Talk of Champions is C.J. Johnson, former Ole Miss defensive lineman slash linebacker. He's got a new job, so you'll hear from him and what he's doing and all this kind of different stuff. But it's an interesting conversation right now, McKenzie, around Ole Miss baseball. It's 19 seasons with Mike Bianco. This season, a lot of expectations. I'm in the muck every single day. I'm at every single game. You just pop in every once in a while. You've got that going for you. But what's your read? What's your vibe of Ole Miss baseball right now? What's your read on things? 
Well, the thing is, is from what I've seen from Ole Miss, it, it's weird. They're kind of off and on from when I the games I've been to. I, I feel like the problem with Ole Miss, obviously, when they're basket hot, they're basket hot, and it's it's great for them. But kind of what you were talking about as far as pitching, I, it's just I don't feel like they have enough solid depth in their lineup. Um, like Doug Nikhazy, he did such a good job. And, I mean, like I feel like they've got a solid two or three pitchers. But, I mean, obviously you can't win regionals, super regionals with two pitchers that are solid. That's the problem is that when you look at their pitching staff, you got two true freshmen in there. There's going to be volatility. Will Etheridge, as good as he's been on Friday nights, the offense is the problem. And it kind of compounds upon itself when there's already an unsettled feeling about Ole Miss baseball from a certain segment of fans, if not a majority of fans at this point, because of the lack of postseason success. Ole Miss has been to Omaha once since the 70s, and that was in 2014. This number one recruiting class that came in, Thomas Dillard, Greg Kessinger, all those guys, they're getting boat raced by Mississippi State. I think they're 14 or lost 14 to 16 to Mississippi yeah. State. I don't know if it matters if the success of your in-state rival should factor into such decisions, big decisions like what happens to Mike Bianco. Is this something we should be talking about? But you can't own them like that. And so when you have a weekend like this weekend, losing that way, and then you go to Arkansas State and you fall apart, there's no excitement around it. Do you think it matters? Do you think Mississippi State winning like it is right now all the turnover and still beating Ole Miss. Do you think it should matter? Does it matter? You can't deny the fact that Bianco's had success at Ole Miss with how many wins and consistent they are as far as the regular season goes. But Mississippi State is just really, really good this season. Obviously, they got a lot of good guys that came back. You got Jake that always seems to find a run in some sort of the in some part of the game. I didn't really get to talk to Bianco after the games a whole lot because I was over on state side talking to them, getting some video and quotes from them. But if I were them, I would be a little worried right now. I mean, I don't right now. They're the sixth seed, right? They're six seed, I believe. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, sure. I mean, I would be a little worried just because last year when they lost at region, when they'd hosted it and lost, it was kind of not embarrassing, but it was just like they kind of laid an egg. And it's just like, I don't know how they're going to get past it this season with what they've been like as of recent. I don't know. I just, you've been been to them a lot more than I have from what I've seen. They've been very inconsistent, but I mean, I would be a little worried. That's me. I was curious because I was over there talking to Mike and the players after this weekend. I wasn't in Jonesboro on Tuesday, but Ole Miss fans are not angry anymore. It's more apathetic. And when apathy sets in, that's when it becomes dangerous for a coach. Yeah. And that's where the conversation comes from. And it'll be interesting to see how it finishes out. It feels like Mississippi State or the players, the coaches, feel like they own Ole Miss. Did you get that sense? Were they saying those kinds of things in the dugout? That sense. Yeah, because that sense of ownership, that's a problem. No, and the fact that Ole Miss is 2-14 and against Mississippi State. I mean, I'm sure you saw the tweets online. You've seen the the comments where – like who's your daddy or like mayor Benga owns it. Like, obviously I, you, you've probably seen those comments. So 100%, I mean, and especially when you give state fans that kind of confidence like that, just both fan bases down here are going to feed off that regardless. So also with the Bulldogs one winning four straight governor's cups. I mean, that's definitely, <laughs> yeah, you could just sense it a little bit. And I think confidence is a big thing in baseball. Like I'm not a big believer in the non quantifiable. Yeah. Like if you can't quantify it with numbers, I think the rest of it is kind of hogwash. Now, there is a little bit of credence given then to chemistry and confidence and all this kind of stuff in baseball. It's such a grind, the season being so long and all those things. So for Mississippi State to come in, Ole Miss knew how big of a weekend series it was and how significant it was as far as the postseason ramifications and things like that. To play, not necessarily tight, but Ole Miss seemed to not have the edge that State did. State, it didn't matter if they got down. And you got all the beat reporters for state. My boy, Brian Haydad, just creaming over Jake Mangum. But <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> that's neither here nor there. But it, that, the speaking of confidence, that confidence matters. And they have that. And again, I don't think you make these decisions about Mike Bianco based on what your in-state rival is doing. I don't think that should factor into it. It's more about the lack of postseason success and other factors in that respect. But yeah. 
still, it has to play like some role, right? It has to play a little bit of a role as far as what they're doing and how they're doing it and the ownership they have right now in the state. And that's a dangerous place for Ole Miss to be in. No, exactly. And also, I believe in the Ole Miss's last six games, I think the bullpen has been pitching with an ERA of around like 11.5, something like that. Zach Phillips, Max Trophy, they have ERAs of like 27 and 108. Like it's just – like you said, back to that confidence. Once I remember talking to Cooper Johnson earlier when I did the whole Manny's with McKenzie thing with him. He even mentioned it himself. He was like, you know, once once someone gets hot, other people start following. You start getting that confidence. And like you said, in baseball, if you see guys struck, striking out or hitting pop-ups, like it's just – it is definitely a confidence booster thing. It's just a weird place for Ole Miss baseball to be in. I was there in Lafayette, Louisiana, Lafayette, whatever – when Ole Miss won and punched <laughs> yeah. his ticket to Omaha and the sense of relief and euphoria that Ole Miss had as a program. And it's been five years now and Ole Miss hadn't gotten back to a super regional. And yet Mississippi State, it doesn't matter the turnover or be it with yep. coaches, players, they continue to make those trips, make a push for Omaha. And if, if Mississippi State goes to Omaha, and I think everyone believes they have a team that can go win a national championship. Then further adds fuel to the Ole Miss has to do something, has to change something. I don't know what that means. I don't know if that means Mike Bianco or not, but Mike Bianco created Ole Miss baseball. He made Ole Miss baseball what it is. Ole Miss baseball was nothing before Mike Bianco. And like, especially when you, from the year I've been here, Mississippi State's gone to a bowl game, they've gone to the College World Series. Their basketball went a little bit farther than Ole Miss. I feel like with every sport, it's just, baseball is unfortunately this time right now where it's like you haven't had any good postseason runs in a while what's up Mississippi State's all doing this and it goes back to the whole comparison thing when you know in-state rival kind of a thing uh I mean it doesn't look the best but a lot of people I've seen on like people are wondering about that the question that you asked like with the whole Bianco thing but then again he did create Ole Miss baseball into what it is pretty much. Yeah. He's the winningest coach or one of the winningest coaches in Ole Miss athletics history. And the football comparison is interesting because there's this apathy setting in with Ole Miss baseball. Matt Luke has a losing record right now as the football coach got beat 142 to 26 by Alabama, LSU and state last year. And he's safe. And I don't believe that he shouldn't be safe necessarily. I think with the new coaches he's hired, this program is now his. He's eliminated all of the safety net as far as, okay, well, what does he do with his coaches? What does he do with his players? So he has a run here to actually show what the program can be without NCAA restrictions, with his coaches, with his players. I get that. Yeah. But it just adds nuance to the discussion that, okay, Mike Bianco is one of the winningest coaches in almost athletics history. Why can't they get to a super regional kind of a thing? Yeah, and how much of a lease should he be given? How long is too long? If Andy Kennedy's tenure at Ole Miss had grown stale, which is what the administration acknowledged, which what Andy Kennedy acknowledged, what the fans acknowledged, what do you call Ole Miss baseball? And Matt Luke, unlike Mike Bianco, is dealing in a different level as far as the expectation for what his program can be. Everyone believes, fairly or not, that Ole Miss baseball – has the resources and the talent to compete for a national championship. Ole Miss yeah. will always feel like football-wise, it'll be at a distinct disadvantage in any number of ways. So when you have that type of expectation, the leash has already been long, but how much longer do you give it? And how much time do you give Mike Bianco to change things up again in order to keep this long era, the best era in Ole Miss baseball history going when fans are demanding Due to the lack of success in the major money-making sport, football, the lack of success there, how long do you give it? Because they demand results here. And I just think all of those things add context and nuance to the decision that Ole Miss fans and administratively, they all have to make right now. They all have to view these things, not just in a vacuum, but the bigger picture. Yeah. Going back, that's a great question. And I, I mean, going back to like Bianco's had, is it 200 or 300 career SEC wins? It's I mean, he has success as a coach, but I don't. I just don't understand why, when it comes to these moments, what happens? Like blowing the lead, the game that I was at with LSU, they were up. Was it like 10-1 at one point? Let all those runs come back. 
And then we went into extra innings and it's just like, close the game out, guys. <laughs> you know? Well, welcome to Ole Miss, McKenzie. I was I was filming it and I was just like, oh my goodness. If, <laughs> if they I always were- love it when people who like where are you from? Indiana. Okay, you're from Indiana. I love yeah. it when people from other states or just haven't been around Ole Miss all that long get their first taste of we are Ole Miss moments. I love I that. I got so mad. I wanted to scream. I was filming and I was like, I, not only that I want to go home, but I was just like, this game is too long. You know when you just like want to flip a table? I was yeah. like, let's yeah. go, people. Let's close that. Like literally one out away. And then they <laughs> yeah. let LSU come back. And yeah. it's, just, it's just, guys, please. <laughs> See, I wish you would have been here for fourth and 25 against Arkansas in football just so you could really feel <laughs> what it's like yeah. for people who've been around Ole Miss all my life like I don't run from that I grew up an Ole Miss fan I went to Ole Miss now I cover Ole Miss I, I don't run from my history and my past with Ole Miss I've been yeah. around all of these moments be it LSU Ole Miss Eli stepping on the foot of Doug Buckles and then losing to LSU Ole Miss is seven and one in the SEC West the only team they couldn't lose to was LSU and they did and then they don't make it to Atlanta despite being seven and one in the SEC or baseball, Evan Button, Texas, Ole Miss, the super regional where effectively the championship was won. Texas went on to go eight. No, or something crazy in Omaha. All of these things. I've been here for these moments. <laughs> it's always fun. It's always I mean, it's fun. fun. I love watching good teams. And obviously, you know, Ole Miss, Mississippi State are amazing teams and pretty much all their sports respectively but it's just like those moments like that as media as a fan I can't imagine as a fan just how not angry but disappointed I would be and back to the whole Bianco situation last season that was hard I remember remember when that like flood was going on everyone came out and then they ended up losing like that it was just oh my god yeah I just hope it's not like that again this year <laughs> okay if Mackenzie Simon was the athletics director of Ole Miss and I'd you be- had to factor in <laughs> Everything that has happened with Ole Miss baseball, the history with Mike Bianco, what the program was, what it is now, what would you do? It's hard because I I feel like they have so much talent, and I don't know if it's necessarily switching guys around, but I don't know. I just don't even know how you put some morale around it, too, because it's hard to get morale when you're losing these games like this and you let State come and sweep you and then losing to you know Arkansas. It's just, I don't know. Obviously, I'm not a coach, so I, I don't know. Man, I would just be doing some real soul searching and set some people down and just be like, listen here, this is what the plan is. This is what we're going to do. This is how we're going to get wins. Go batting practice or something. I don't know. Mike Bianco has always been good at having his finger on the pulse of his teams. And this year it feels like he can't unlock what makes this team good. Really getting into his players because of a disappointing weekend. Maybe he's waiting a day, whatever, or lineup changes, rotation changes. It feels like he's always been one step behind with this team. And it's not all Mike Bianco's fault. You have to give the players their just due as far as disappointing performance. I think sometimes in this business, be it with media fans, whoever, we have a tendency to criticize the coaches far more and more harshly than we do the players for underperformance. I think everyone should be fair game. And in this case, I could go over a list of guys that have not done what Ole Miss needs them to do. But I I just can't get past for right now what the expectations were for this team and what the team talked about as far as expectations and then falling short. How do you expect or how should the fans respond then? If you're telling them this is what we expect, this is what we plan to be, and you fall well short of that, what what do you expect? They're going to be on the road in a regional. And Ole Miss expanded its stadium and built all these new seats and stuff to host regionals and super regionals and to be a marquee program nationally. So to fall short of that time and again over the last handful of years, I don't know. It's it's a strange place to be. This is Talk of Champions. I've been Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. She's Mackenzie Salmon at Mackenzie Salmon, digital sports reporter and videographer for the Clarion Ledger. If you haven't already, subscribe, rate, review, Talk of Champions, and iTunes. We're also available on SoundCloud. The podcast brought to you by Thomas Chandler, your modern Woodman representative. It wasn't so long ago, I'm talking a couple of months, where financially I needed some help. Not that I was struggling, but getting my finances in order, organizing my money so that I'm in the best position for retirement, preparing for college for my kids, and everything else. I'm sure most every one of you can relate. And that's why you should do like me and contact Thomas Chandler today. He's your local modern woodman representative, and he'll get you right for retirement or savings or whatever you need. He's done it for me. He'll do it for you. What does modern woodman do, though, you might ask? 
Financial security for you and your family through life insurance, financial planning, and financial services. Quality family life through member benefits and local fraternal activities. And community impact through volunteer projects that make a difference where members live, work, and play. It's time to get rid of your financial burden. Contact Thomas Chandler, 662-296-0186. That's 662-296-0186. Or you can check them out at www.modernwoodman.org www.modernwoodman.org. That's Thomas Chandler, your modern woodman representative. The podcast is also brought to you by Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. The car buying process can be overwhelming. Believe me, I've been there recently. And you're just looking to get the best deal. And if that's the case, to avoid the headache, head on over to Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. They're going to take care of you and get you into your next vehicle with a great deal. Their inventory is priced to sell right now. So you, the consumer, need to make sure you're taking advantage of all the deals available to you from Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. And what separates Alan Samuels is Brian and Mason and the rest of the staff aims to address each of your needs with the utmost respect, care, and attention to detail. Tell them Talk a Champion sent you. They're hardcore Ole Miss fans, and they'll want to talk some Ole Miss baseball, basketball, spring football just wrapped up. Football coming up in the fall, and of course, Ole Miss football and basketball recruiting. But above all else, they'll want to make the process as seamless as possible and get you what you want at a good price. Contact them today at 662-234-8000. 662-234-8000. Stop by and see them at 2201 East University Avenue in Oxford today. That's just past Kroger, Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford to find your next perfect car, truck, or Jeep. Alan Samuels, let's be friends. Going now to the Chinese Pharmacy phone line to speak to former Ole Miss defensive lineman slash linebacker, C.J. Johnson. C.J., it's been a while, man. How you doing? I'm doing good, man. How are you? I'm good. The people don't know you've made a career change. Well, you're still in the same line of work, but a new job for one, C.J. Johnson. What are you doing? No doubt, man. I'm uh, up in Coffinville, Kansas. I'm a new D-line coach I'm here at Coffinville Community College. Uh, just wrapped up the spring and I'm excited about the guys we got coming in, and I look forward to fall and getting ready to go, man. Nice. What have you learned in your time as a coach so far? What's the biggest lesson learned? Um, I think, man, the biggest one is that when you're when you're around people and you're working with people um, that are, are not familiar with who you are um, and kind of what you bring, and they don't really kind of know up front before they hire you, um, what kind of guy that they're getting. And so I just think uh, the biggest thing that I've learned so far, man, is just, you know, always be willing to learn, uh, be willing to grow. Uh, because it's just, you know, sometimes in this profession, man, it's better to it's better to put your head down and work really hard and, you know, try to work your guys out and give them the best you can be than, you know, being focused on, on some of the other stuff that kind of goes on in the profession. But the biggest thing is, man, is just being true to who I am and, and really taking a deep, deep dive into, you know, what kind of coach that I want to be has been the biggest uh, learning curve for me so far. You're from Philadelphia, Mississippi. You went to Ole Miss, Oxford, Mississippi. Kansas then probably isn't some jarring, shocking move for you. What what got you to Coffeeville, and what's the Coffeeville experience like? Uh, well, actually, I had a buddy of mine that, uh, that I worked with last year um, who's kind of um, from this area, from the Kansas area. Um, and I got out of coaching for a while, working down at D1 with, with Mike Espy. Uh, shout out to Mike and Shay and all those guys, man. They're some, some really good dudes and doing some really good things down there. And I think they're doing a great job of developing some of the young guys that we have in Mississippi to kind of uh, take their game to the next level as far as when they go to these combines and different things and getting them prepared. So I'm excited. I was excited to do that. And then he's like, man, you should – you should really try to get back on the sidelines. I'm like, yeah, well, you know, I don't, you know, I don't really know. I was having a good time working down with Mike and getting to learn some of the business sides of things as far as the the training market, and, and, and that was that was pretty uh pretty amazing experience. And I took the interview and uh, talked with our head coach, Coach Flores, and um, and brought me on staff, man. And and I'm just excited to be here. It's it's not it's not that much of a of a difference uh, being from Mississippi. Still kind of a slow, small town feel. So. It's kind of been a pretty good transition. If somebody said, all right, CJ, perfect dream job, Coffeeville being the defensive line coach, obviously you're thrilled to have that opportunity. But if you could do anything you wanted to do, what would be that job for you? The ultimate dream job. The ultimate dream job, something that I know I would enjoy doing every single day, would be a professional fisherman. No doubt. I did not expect no that. No doubt, Mama. 
that took a yes, left turn for I me. I will be a professional bass fisherman for the rest of my life if that's what I ultimately could do. I'm actually going fishing on Friday uh, with a whole line coach, and so I'm I'm very very excited to to get on some Kansas water and, and, and hook some big bass. Are you a fly fisherman, or are you just from the boat throwing it out there, casting a line, and drawing them in? I do everything. As long as I ain't going out and doing the damn deep sea fishing and all that stuff, I, I can do it all. I can fly fish, uh, bass fish, brim uh, fish, crappie, whatever, catfish, tight line fish. With any kind of fishing in a lake or a pond, uh, I'm your guy. Uh, if you're talking about deep sea fishing and all that, I, I ain't with that. I, I just can't. No. I used to do that. We used to go to Florida every single year and we go deep sea fishing, but I got over that really quickly. I'm done with that. I'll never do it again. It's not fishing. You're just trolling around in a boat, kind of driving around the water, waiting for something, anything to bite onto your line. If you go marlin fishing, there's a better chance that you spend six hours just trolling along in a boat than actually picking up a fishing pole and reeling something in. Yeah, no. And my thing is, if I can't, if it's if it's enough water, if I can't drink it all or swim to the bank, I'm not I'm not getting in. Like I, like I'm like I, I'm good. You know, I've always told like people watching those shark shows and stuff. And I'm like, look, I don't understand why people go out there anyway. It's kind of like like the land, you know. When we go out in the woods and we hunt deer and stuff, you know, people, you know, humans have land. Well, when you go out to sea, that's their territory. You know what I mean? That's where they live. That's where they, you know, they roam and they patrol. And if something's in the water and, and, and they're hungry, obviously they're going to eat it. So I just can't. Uh, it's just too much stuff out there. People don't even know what's all in the ocean. So no, I'm, I'm good. I, I'll pass. No, you nailed it. I, I know all fear is irrational, but mine seem a little more so. I'm claustrophobic, terribly claustrophobic, but I also have an incredible fear of the deep sea. If I can't see the land, I become anxious overly anxious even yes. and it drives me mm-hmm. to the point of like sweats and stuff i can't handle it very well if i'm surrounded by water i start thinking about the things that are below me and if i were to see like people like to go whale watching if i saw a huge whale that is way bigger than me that could in effect even though they wouldn't eat me i'm not good with that i'm not down with that if you put me in a room where there are no windows and no doors i'm gonna freak out and if you put me in water where i can't see land i'm gonna freak out that's just who i am that's how i'm wired Yep, that's a, and I, I think that's for for most rational people that aren't living close to that kind of that kind of stuff. That's some stuff that it's like you got to work up for it. It's not something that you just say, "Hey, oh shit, I'm 25 years old. Let's try to go deep sea fish." No, it don't work like that. You got to kind of build yourself up. Like if you were 10 or 11, and then a teenager, and then you know the young adult, and and then now you kind of you're comfortable. But now just now, just doing it just because. No, I'm good. I'm going to sound like the biggest wimp on earth, but I'm scared of heights too, but I've been bungee jumping. If somebody said, Ben, you have a choice. You can either be stuck in a room for a long period of time with no windows or no doors, or you can jump out of a plane, or you can go out into the middle of the sea on a boat and not be able to see any land. I'm going to jump out of a plane a hundred times out of a hundred. For sure. I, 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 I could see myself jumping out of a plane. That'd be something. I, I'm not a big afraid of heights kind of guy, but that'd be something I, I might be interested in. Because snakes don't scare me. I grew up in the country, or country-ish. I grew up in New Albany, Mississippi. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not scared of snakes either. No. Now, now, if I'm fishing and I see a snake, oh, yeah. like, I'll, I'll watch it. But like, if he gets close to the bank and starts like, I, like I've been in situations where, obviously, when you're fishing, sometimes you see snakes. But it's like one of them deals where all the snakes see you and it kind of you know go, go off on its way. But those snakes that kind of swim right at you and kind of do that kind of thing, it's like, yep, I'm out. And that's and that's why I don't turkey hunt, uh, and I'm not a big avid hunter anyway. I'll go deer hunting every now and then, but that's why I can't turkey hunt because there ain't ain't no way in hell you convince me to freaking lay on the ground and sit in a blind full of leaves and trees and branches, and we're sitting there talking and we're looking for a deer or a tummy or a turkey, and we're not looking down and looking around. It's like no, I'm good. Like I no, can't do it. I don't like killing stuff anyway. Why not? It doesn't do it for me. I, I have no reason to kill this deer. It has no reason. It's not harmed well, me thing, in any way. Well, my thing is, is that like, like I do it for the for the meat. Okay. Yeah, I don't love deer jerky so much that I'm thinking, man, let me go kill a harmless animal. If you gave me backstrap for a choice of for dinner every single night, seven days a week, I would do it every single time. 
a backstrap is better than a stake, in my opinion. Did I ever Just tell my you opinion. my deer hunting story? No, I got I got a good I got a good uh, duck hunting story for you too. Okay, well, let's do my deer hunting story quickly, and then we'll do your duck hunting story. I've only been hunting for deer one time. Buddy of mine said, Ben, you got to try it once to know you don't like it. And I agree with that. You can't say you don't like something until you try it, and then you know you like it or you don't like it. So I said, okay, I'm going deer hunting. That's right. And we go out there. It's 5 in the morning. We get up in the stand. We're sitting there, and he is inebriated. That's simply what I'll say. It was early, early in the morning, but he had already gotten tight. He was enjoying his day, and he sees a deer and says, Ben! Deer, there. I went, okay. So I pull up the gun, and I shoot. The deer falls. He goes, you got it, you got it, you got it. Let's go get it. We start walking out there, and I hear the cries of this deer. So I'm like, we get there. CJ, I have shot this deer in the ass. It has crapped (laughs) all over itself. And then my friend, who is inebriated, said, don't worry. I'll put it out of its misery, pulls out a gun, and shoots it in the head. Then I had to clean the thing because apparently when you kill your first deer, you have to clean it. Yes. So yes. I'm just sitting yes. there going, yes. they're yes. all drinking beer and smoking cigarettes and other things and watching and laughing at me as I'm peeling this deer, just like kind of dying inside to myself. Like, oh my God, what the, what have I done? <laughs> so yeah. let me ask you this. Did they, put the, did they put the cross on your forehead? Yes. With the blood? Yeah. Yes. There we go. Doing it right. Everything <laughs> about that experience discouraged me from ever wanting to do it again. So what is your duck hunting story? <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's almost similar in theory. Um, but uh, so I, I had a guy like, man, you know, we should come down. You should come down and do some hunting with us. So I go down the first day I get out there and we're going to go deer hunting. And so we get in the stand probably about 520, about 30 minutes for, you know, before the sun's down and about 15 bucks just come beelining out of the tree line and I freaking dropped one and went over whatever, got it clean, whatever. And so the next morning we were going to get up and go duck hunting. So it rained a little bit kind of, you know, as we were going to bed, but you know, you ain't really think about, you know, the rain too much. And so we get up about four in the morning. Apparently you got to get up that early to go, to go duck hunting, which not a big fan of getting up that early in the morning, but we get out there. And we're in an electric golf cart, and we're coming across this big, huge property, okay, huge property. And there's roads, you know, running through the property, north, south, east, and west. And so the water had got up so high that we got about two miles in, into this dang on property. And as we're getting ready to cross over, because we crossed over a couple streets, the water wasn't really flowing really hard. And one of them we come across, and it picked the, the current from the water, picked us up, took us probably about 400 feet, dropped us off in a ditch, and we had to walk two and a half miles back to the truck, and I had water up in my waders to the top of my chest, like literally pouring out of the waders. And I had to walk like that for two and a half miles. My phone absolutely destroyed. Apparently nobody told me that, hey, when you go duck hunting, put your phone in the bag, a Ziploc bag. Didn't do that. So my phone got destroyed, and I had to walk two and a half miles with about probably I'd say five pounds of water on top of all this damn this damn waiter shit that's heavy as hell, and you're toting a gun and a backpack, and it's just, it was miserable. And I said, never, ever, 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 ever again will I go through that. No, good. Uh, it's thanks. so good. No thanks. We've gotten this far, and no I've talked about any old Miss stuff or any football stuff, which was the point. This is what happens when C.J. and I get to just talking about stuff. What's the relationship like now with Ole Miss and C.J. Johnson? Oh, it's good, man. I've had a chance to uh, to talk uh, with, with the Knicks, both of them. Um, and I've had a chance to really talk with, with Tyrone um, a pretty good bit and uh, got to see uh, Coach Luke um, last year doing some recruiting at Ontario. Um, and had a chance to meet Coach Peeler for the first time. Thought he was a really, really great guy. Um, and, and it's just, it's been good, man. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm praying that, you know, hopefully, which obviously I won't be this fall, uh, but I'm hoping to make it to a bowl game or something, man. I get a chance to, I get a chance to go down and support the old Rebs. I can honestly see this team being more competitive and better than last year's team and not winning as many games. Hmm. Really? Yeah. Um, Let's see. I think I think they got a chance to to really be special. 
Um, and here's why. Here's why. I, I'll tell you why. Because you think about 2011, right? We went freaking two and ten, and we were, you know, at rock bottom, and got a new staff. And sometimes when you get a new staff, one it gives a lot of the players a clean slate, even though it's still, you know, some of the similar coaches on both sides of the ball. But having a new defensive offensive coordinator for the players, it kind of wipes, you know, wipes the slate clean. Now everybody's kind of on the same playing field, right? So now this freshman who's competing against this red shirt junior, well, now they're the same because he don't know just as much as this freshman that played sparingly last year knows. And so it gives you a chance where the younger guys now have a chance to really, really push those upperclassmen to, to kind of get it done. And I think having a change of scenery and you know, having some new coaches in there, I think that, I think it just it refreshes everybody. Um, and I think it, I think it really gives you a chance to, to really go out and, and, and really play a little bit better. Ole Miss is going to be a three-four defense this year, transitioning from a four-three. I love it. What's the biggest difference? What are the advantages? All that kind of stuff. Well, now the the big advantage is uh, you don't know where the fourth rusher is coming from. Um, a lot of times when you're a four-down front, you know you traditionally you know mark those four guys and then. Obviously, maybe you got an overhang from the left, the two backers in the box, or one backer in the box, you know, a backer on each side of the box. So now it gives you, it gives you the flexibility to be able to change looks up on some people, um, be able to to change the math, so to speak. Um, you know, defensively, we always talk about numbers. So if they got three guys on this side of the center, I want to have four. If they got four guys on this side of the center, I want to have five. You know, you always want to have the extra guy. And I think when you when you're playing a three down front, it gives those down linemen a chance to be able to, you know, change gaps and be able to cross over gaps and and be able to help guys fit the run a little bit better. And it it, it takes some of the pressure off the backers because now the offensive linemen have to focus so much more on the interior guys because now you got three guys inside the tackle. So I think that that provides a really good a really good changeup for you on defense and it, and it gives you it gives you some cards. Who has the key responsibility or is the most critical as far as responsibility on an every down basis? Which position? Is it the nose guard? Is it the outside linebacker? Who has the key responsibility? Yeah, it's it's definitely going to be your outside linebacker. And I, I don't think with the way football is going now with true spread that they're going to play a true 3-4 defense. I think you're going to see some 3-4 principles with maybe – the guy that plays to the wide side of the field is now more more of a speed corner type guy um, than a true linebacker against some of these spread looks. Um, but I think the big, the really the two biggest guys are going to be that those two outside back and slash nickel guy because those are the guys that you need to make plays because those are the guys that you're going to move around. They're going to have to get lined up in some different positions and and be able to have the freedom to kind of roam around a little bit pre snap. And so it, it just gives you a lot of flexibility when those two guys are really, really making plays. So I think the big, the, the two difference makers that's going to make it go are going to be obviously the outside backers for sure. A 3-4 would have fit you to a T at Ole Miss. Oh, yeah, no doubt, man. I, I, was, I was talking to some of our coaches about that the other day. Would have been perfect. You play perfect. linebacker, you play defensive end, you like to rush the passer, but you could guard some guys as far as in the passing game. It would have worked for you. Yeah, well, as I as I got older, I definitely wouldn't have because I gained so much damn weight and kind of got fat. But uh, I think early on in my career, definitely I could have I could have ran with some of the best of them. AJ Brown goes to the Titans. DK Metcalf goes to the Seahawks. Uh, Greg Little goes to the Carolina Panthers. Dawson Knox goes to the Buffalo Bills. Any fit in particular that you like the most? All of them, man. To be honest with you, uh, all of them. I think all of them. Provided you know a need for the team that they drafted, and how about freaking DK man? I'm so proud of him, man. I've, I've been talking to Metcalf kind of throughout this whole process. His dad and um, just man, kid like him that didn't get a chance to fully display his um, display his potential in college. Um, I think being drafted as high as he did, um, I think it's just a testament to how hard he worked um, after the injury to get himself to pick himself back up. And to keep trying and to keep working and keep grinding and to put on the performance that he did at the combine was freaking unbelievable, man. And I'm just, I'm so proud for him because I know 
that now that he's healthy, he's going to be a, a freaking stud um, in the league and freaking AJ. I mean, you talk about freaking Tennessee Titans dying to have a, a guy to make plays out on the edge. I think he does that for you. You know, I think he's able to play inside and outside because the way he runs routes, his route running is, is pretty second to none. He kind of reminds me of a, of a Dante Moncrief slash Laquan Treadwell. He's got that Dante Moncrief dog in him um, with that speed and, you know, the hands and the route running. And Laquan Treadwell, just, you know, the size and the speed to just really be able to block guys and, and freaking hurt people. Let me tell you a story about, about Laquan. So his second year there at Ole Miss, no, third year there at Ole Miss, spring, playing freaking defensive end and – First time I ever in my life in the game of football have I ever been cracked. Like, you know, I'm talking about crack side, like side block, crack, crack yeah. back, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. And I remember turning around after he hit me and I was finna get ready to yell at a um, guy who was Denzel. I was finna get ready to turn around and yell at Denzel. But as I was turning around, like my ribs, like where he hit me, it just like felt like, you know, they just fell out of place. <laughs> and so I had to come off the field. And as I was walking off, uh, as we were transitioning to a special team, somebody walked up to the corner, like, hey, man, like, man, this, this is practice, dog. You ain't got to, you know, you ain't got to try to hurt me out here. You know, it's like, I'm already old, I'm about to fall apart. I'll, I'll need you to, you know, to take me on out of here. He's like, man, I didn't even try to hit you that hard. I was like, oh, my God. And so I, I moved in, I was like, look, all right, y'all, y'all better let me know something when this when this big old joke coming in motion. Because if you hit me again, then I'm gonna turn around and I'm gonna be ready to fight one of y'all. Why so, has he not uh, worked in the NFL? Usage, man. It, it's usage. To, to, to be honest, he just got. We went to a bad team. Like he, he just went to a, a bad team. And when you got a guy like Stephon Diggs, when you when if you don't throw on the ball, he's gonna he's gonna cry to get the ball. And not to say that since he's been there, they've had. Freaking Aaron Rodgers at quarterback. The problem is the drops, but but I mean, but that was some of his issues coming out of college, right? It wasn't it wasn't that you know he didn't drop balls. All receivers drop balls. You know, maybe his drop was just a little bit more critical than Stephon Diggs. But shoot, I'm pretty sure Stephon Diggs dropped a lot of balls too. I think man, he just he just needs a fresh start. He needs a fresh start. A sneaky silver lining for DK dropping in the draft is I know that every player wants a good first contract, but really you're trying to perform for your second contract. That's when you really get paid as far as guaranteed money. And DK, in my opinion, he couldn't have landed in a better spot, especially with Doug Baldwin retiring and needing an outside presence. You got the best deep ball thrower in the NFL and Russell Wilson to get you the ball, doing the one thing you do well. Now you have a better shot at getting that guaranteed money in your second contract. You're giving away some in the first contract, but the landing spot allows you to be better positioned for the second one. Let me give you a real talk. All right, you ready for this? Sure. This is real talk. To everybody out there that's listening to this, especially if it's a football player that's trying to go to the NFL, if you ain't going top five, really top ten, you should want to go in, in the second through the fifth round. Those first round dudes, if you not think about this, you're getting a four year contract as a first round draft pick, and you have to produce. You look at guys that are, are second round guys, third round, fourth round, fifth round guys. Those are the guys that that really really make an impact because. They don't have the amount of pressure. And two, after the first year, after you really, really know what you're doing, you're really only got a year and a half, really a year, to really get your junk together if you want to get a, get you a second contract. So I think that's why a lot of those first-round guys don't pan out because they get too much money, especially when they're not in the top five. I think they need to really look at how they're paying those guys from 10 to 32. Because I think that'll really, you'll really start to see some of those guys perform a little bit better. You know, those are the guys that are traditionally your more bust guys, unless they're just a perfect scheme fit to where they come in and they actually play and produce. So everybody out there, you want to hit second through fifth. You can get up in there. Oh, you good. It's time to grind now. It's time to go get your money. That's a really good point. AJ Brown goes into the NFL. He takes number 16. 
Then he changes to number 18. Now he's number 11. What is it with players and numbers, man? It's everything. Because, like, for instance, my favorite number growing up was number two because I was a super baseball fanatic. That's all my daddy wanted me to do is play baseball. And the big Derek Jeter guy, like, just loved Jeter to everything. Number two, basketball, baseball, football, whatever it was. I want number two. And so after he passed, I wanted number 10. And when I got recruited, I told every single coach that came to my house, if I don't get number 10, I ain't coming. I ain't coming. Straight like that, I'm not not coming. Not coming. Not going to do it. So to me, a number is everything, man, to to some guys because it's 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 it's, a, it's how they play. It's who they play for. And then you got some guys like, I don't care. Give me a number. I just want to grind. You know, I just want to eat. So it's all about, you know, personal preference. I got to give a shout-out to my man, Greg Little. All right, here's why. Gave up two sack pressures on 2.6% of his snaps last year. That's amazing. Yeah, that's and nuts. Any type of – that's amazing. Any type of football level, high school, college, semi-pro, Canadian League, I don't care, NFL, it don't matter. Now with everybody pass the ball, 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 and for him to individually play like that is is freaking phenomenal. It's like it's like it's that's Laramie Tunzel type stuff, right there. He can't like run that, block like Laramie yet, but pass blocking, he can give Laramie a run for his money right now. But the thing is about his his run blocking, he's good enough with his feet that in the league he's going to excel as a as a run blocker. And here's why: because seventy percent, and this is why I tell my players, do not watch. NFL football and think you can come out here and do it. They are the most undisciplined technique-wise players it is to, to watch the game of football. But I mean, the, the, the discipline as far as technique just goes out the window, and it's some of the best defensive line coaches coach football in the NFL. And some of them have some really good D-line coaches in college football and in the NFL, and they still play with bad technique. So I think He's going to have to be disciplined in the run game, and as long as he's disciplined, he will become better. Simply because guys don't guys just don't play with technique; they they play off of off of eyes and skill. And so that's why I think he'll that's why I think he'll be fine. All right, thirty second answer here. I know you're an Ole Miss fan of all sports. I don't know how much you pay attention to Ole Miss baseball. Oh my God! If your athletics don't director, if your athletics director C.J. Johnson, what would you do with Mike Bianco? I mean, you, you got to keep him on staff. He's done so much for Ole Miss baseball that he's he should leave when he wants to leave. Whenever he wants to stop coaching baseball, is he should be able to leave Ole Miss on his own terms. Period. Period. Okay. I mean, that that's the end of the discussion. Because you go back and look. Think about this. Who would you go hire that's better? The problem is adapting to a new age era of baseball as far as leaning on old traditional norms as far as baseball and lineup construction, pitching. I'm with you, and I know what you're going to start talking about. Yeah. The pitching, the small ball. Stop bunting. I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you, yeah and no. But at the end of the day is my my philosophy is, and I, and I do this time, at times of coaching, is that you got to be who you are. And when you start and when you, when you when you try to be something different, that's when it costs you the most. To me, I just think that, you know, he's not coaching against some scrubs now. I mean, the SEC West is probably one of the toughest divisions in college baseball. And and not to mention the history of the program that they've had down there at Mississippi State. The the second you let go of Bianco, it's it's a done deal for Ole Miss baseball. It's a done deal. Because he's fought he I mean he's he's built that program. Anybody to suggest different would be would be telling a lie. He's C.J. Johnson, former Ole Miss defensive lineman, linebacker, now coaching at Coffeeville in Kansas. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Got nothing but love for you. I always feel like I learned something when I talk to you. Let's do it again. Man, no doubt, man. Appreciate you having me. That was C.J. Johnson, former Ole Miss defensive lineman, linebacker. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. C.J. joined us on the Chinese Pharmacy phone line. Mackenzie Salmon back with me. She's the digital reporter, sports reporter and videographer for the Clarion Ledger. 
For all your pharmaceutical needs, Cheney's Pharmacy is the place to go. Cheney's offers prescription synchronization, immunizations, compounding, a two-lane drive-through, and available hours that ensure your needs are met on your own time. Cheney's also accepts all third-party insurance. It's a locally-owned pharmacy that has been in Oxford over 40 years. Cheney's Pharmacy provides the best customer service out there. So give them a call, 662-234-7221, or go visit them at 501 Bramlett Boulevard. That's right off of University Avenue. They're open 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Monday through Saturday and 1 p.m. to 9 p.m. on Sundays. You can find them online at Cheney's Pharmacy. Chinese Pharmacy, much more than just a pharmacy. I wanted to bring this up before we got done here on Talk of Champions. The Ferris Trophy, it's given to Mississippi's best college baseball player every single year. Matt Walner of Southern Miss, Mississippi State's Jake Mangum, Jake Mangum, and Ethan Small, and for Ole Miss, Gray Kessinger and Tyler Keenan. Here's my deal with the Ferris Trophy, McKenzie. All right, tell me, Ben. (laughs) Go on. Here's the deal. Sometimes voters fans fall into the trap in baseball specifically baseball of giving awards individual awards to the best player on the best team which i don't think is how it should be weighed at all it should be about the best individual performance the fairest trophy just like the mvp in major league baseball is an individual award like for example a rod had such an historically good year that playing for the Texas Rangers, still got the MVP despite the Rangers being a last-place team. It should be that way. The best exactly. performance, individual award, baseball, unlike any other sport, it's a complete team sport. You can't blame like Mike Trout for the Angels sucking. Mike Trout has been a historically good player, one of the best players of all time through this point in his career. He's going to finish as one of the best players of all time, so, if not the best. He's a Hall of Famer already. He doesn't have to yep. do anything else. So he should be getting MVP awards every single year. You could give Mike Trout the MVP every single year. So I say all that to say this. <laughs> I say all that to say this. Greg Kessinger should win the Ferris Trophy. Not Jake Mangum or Ethan Small. Greg Kessinger. For a number of different reasons. He's reached base successfully in the last 40 straight games. In SEC play, leads the conference in batting average and hits. His reached base streak is the 10th longest active streak in the nation. The longest active streak in the SEC. He has like so, a 426 in SEC play right now. Yeah. Hitting, right? yeah, like unreal. Okay. Slashing 426, 45, 591 in league play, 25 runs, 25 RBI, 13 extra base hits across all games. Third in hits, number six in batting average, runs scored in doubles, nationally ranks 20th in hits, 38th in runs, 50th in doubles. He's the Ferris Trophy winner. Now, if you want to make a case for Jake Mangum or Ethan Small or Matt Warner, sorry, Matt Warner, I've never heard of you before. I should because almost has played you. <laughs> But this is just who I am. You know Matt Walner. Look him up once you're done. Matt Walner, he he had a really rough start to the season. I remember he didn't he didn't really have much production at all until uh, Ole Miss came to play them. And uh, you remember that game? Were you there for that? No, kind of- I wasn't. Okay, yeah. Matt Walner hit a home run. I think it was a two run home run at one point, and he's he's really good. I remember he got drafted in Minnesota when he was, I think it was a junior or senior in high school. So he, he's really good, but no, I would take Matt Walner out of it. And then I would probably take Tyler Keenan out, but Mangum, Ethan Small and Greg Kessinger, 100%. Okay. So who wins it? Who should win it? I've made my case and this not has nothing to do with, Oh, Ben Garrett. He's a homer for old Matt. No, I'm not. I don't give a shit. Mine is simple the best player individually for an individual award of this group of candidates is Greg Kessinger. Okay, so I'm going to take it down to Greg Kessinger and Ethan Small, actually. Oh. Oh, yeah. Oh, Ryan Haydad is going to be (laughs) Jake. But no, Jake Mangum. Jake. (laughs) Jake. No. Okay, Ethan Small always faces the opponent's best pitcher, regardless. He has a 7-0-1 record and I think 13 starts, I believe. His ERA is around 173. He struck out 100-some batters in 78 innings, only walked 19 guys. His strikeout-to-walk ratio is 132-19. He is so good. And he's only allowed 42 hits in the 78 innings. So, I mean, Ethan Small is just a beast. His slider, like everything... His pitch count, everything about Ethan Small, I believe, is so good. And he's even gotten better than when he was last year, which is crazy to think. Yeah, he's now easily a top two round pick in the MLB draft in June. And if you want to go on draft reputation or draft resume, he's the guy. The problem with with pitchers for me, as far as getting MVP awards, now if you're giving it for best pitcher, okay, like the Cy Young, I've always been one, like last year, 
Jake DeGrom for the Mets should have been the MVP and the Cy Young. I don't believe in wins. I think wins are stupid. I could get into a whole long <laughs> yeah. discussion about that, but y'all don't want to hear me nerd out about sabermetrics. Greg Kessinger no, I- impacts the game more than Ethan Small does. That would be my counter to that. Now, Rick Cleveland's the best writer this state has ever seen or ever will see. And he made a really good point. He's, he wrote in a recent column, in any other year, Jake Mangum would probably be a shoe-in for the Ferris Trophy. But he recognized the brilliance of Ethan Small and Greg Kessinger. So I think you're absolutely right on. It's one of those two guys. Now, if you give it to Ethan Small, I'm not going to cry about it. I think it's absolutely No, both are very deserving guys. Like you said, when you threw out all those stats, Jake Mangum is really good. He's solid for the team. But also you got to think, Ethan Small is an MLB type pitcher. Yeah. Mangum, I don't, I mean, I don't know. I'm sure he's obviously going to get drafted yet again. Do you know what Mangum's legacy is going to be at Mississippi State? He's going to be responsible for every son over the next five years by the most diehard Mississippi State fans being named Jake. Yep. (laughs) Which is crazy because that's 100% what's going to (laughs) happen. Yes. Like if Brian Haydad had a son tomorrow, he would name him Jake. You are Jake Haydad. Yeah, Jake Haydad. (laughs) Or if... I don't know. Joel Coleman had a son tomorrow. His Aww. name is going to be Jake. I love Joel. This <laughs> is true. Joel. Yeah. <laughs> but I would pick Gray. You're going with Ethan Small. Tell tell me who you think is going to win it. I'm not a negative person, but I'm definitely like you, where I feel like the person who wins it is a person on the best team. In a sense, it wouldn't surprise me if Ethan Small won it because of Mississippi State's success and what head coach Lamone is coming in his first year, them being so successful, kind of a thing. But Greg Kessinger is freaking leading in so many categories. I don't know. I mean, I'm going to go with Ethan Small just because I feel like with Mississippi State being the best team, that's who they'll probably go with. But I would make the case for either of those guys if it was me personally. A-Rod won an MVP on the last place team (laughs) of the Texas Rangers. It's an individual award. It's an individual award. She's Mackenzie Salmon. Before we get out of here, you've been doing like a feature thing with different players. You did it with Cooper Johnson where you paint their fingernails. Now, some might say, what the hell does that mean? You got a good response on it. What is this? What is the paint in the fingernails? What are you doing? What's the, uh, what's the goal when you sit down with a player and paint their fingernails? Yeah. So I, I love doing sit down interviews. Those are my favorite. I love getting to know kids, letting fans get to know people because you see him on the field or you see him on the court and it's just like, Oh man, he's a great player, but you don't really get to know them other than their Twitter presence or whatever on social media they are. So yeah, not to, before I actually did the video, I was watching uh, the Cardinals and I noticed Molina. I always forget that they paint their fingernails. The catchers paint their fingernails. And I was like, yo, how cool would it be if I painted a player's nails and just did an interview with them? And so I was like, that's exactly what I'm going to do. So I reached out to uh, Alex Sims uh, for almost, you know, Alex. And uh, I was like, hey, would Cooper be down for this? Because I know Cooper's like very outgoing. And he's like, oh, yeah, Cooper will love it. Let me set it up. So I went out there and painted his nails. But I just I mean, I just love getting to know these guys and their story and especially painting the nails, it kind of gets kids off guard. I only did the nails with that one, but when I do stuff with these kids, I like to get them off guard because they end up telling you more and you get to know them a little bit better. And uh, when I told him, when I was talking to Cooper doing his nails, you know, having him pick his color, it was just, it was a really fun thing. And I've never really seen anyone do it. So I love doing videos like that where there's, it's a little something different, you know? What's the dream for you? If you could say, this is my dream job, this is what I want to be, not that yeah. you don't love being the digital sports reporter and videographer for the Clarion Ledger. That's not what we're saying here. But <laughs> if yeah, all exactly. things were equal, you could do whatever the hell you want to do, what are you doing? See, I would love to have my own show on MLB Network where I kind of do the same thing I do now where I have like sit-down interviews, but also like travel around with teams and do – sideline reporting I don't know I love doing a lot of different things but I love doing sit-down interviews with people and doing fun stuff like that like the whole Jay Billis where I walked with Cole Zabowski for 90 feet to first base where we just did a rapid fire Q&A stuff like that I love digital content that's yes. my thing <laughs> see thing, my, my thing was I always wanted to cover a major league baseball team but exactly. I have a lot of friends that cover major league baseball for anybody out there like I'm not going to tell you what's right or wrong do what you want to do whatever makes you happy yeah. but I'm married with two kids, and I was told straight up, Ben, this is the divorce beat. If you're going to have a family, you can't be covering a Major League Baseball team, which was a shock for me because when you're coming up through this, when you're going to journalism school or you're interning for different teams or whatever, you don't think 
of the real life ramifications of it, you know? So I had to give up that dream pretty quickly. And now here I am stuck forever, apparently covering almost sports. Not that that's bad. Uh, <laughs> I'm thankful. Not that that's bad, we but talked about this before you're not stuck, but no, I, I understand, especially with how many games. And then you think about postseason, and then you think about spring training, like, especially with baseball, it's hard. I don't know if I would want to exactly be a sideline reporter for a, for a baseball team, like the Kelsey winger kind of a thing. Cause she, that girl is always busy, but the Pacers, the Colts. So I would love to be a sideline reporter for them coming from Indiana, but yeah, that's the thing is like with these with media, it's it's not a, a nine to five job. You're always working at some in some form. Yeah, you have to you can't really have a personal life all that much when you're doing a professional team, be it with the NFL. I think you yeah. can do it better with the NFL than you could basketball or baseball. Most certainly baseball. Football, it's a much more structured thing. Now the the calendar never stops. You're going to the draft, you're going to OTAs, you're doing all these type of things. But I feel like because so many of your games are in the town in which you live and cover the team. Like if you cover the Titans, you'd live in Nashville. You could have a personal life. But with Major League Baseball, I don't think you could really have that much of a personal life. It'd be strange, at least. Exactly. 162 games. I think, yeah, that's just no. That's more than half the year. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And especially, no, yeah, you get to know media friends very well. And they kind of become your rock when you go in and it's like, oh, hey, what's up, buddy? Oh, hey, Ben, how are you? Good, how are you? Like, your personal life is at work, and when you get a chance to actually go home, if it's not 1 a.m. or 2 a.m. when you get home, then you can do stuff. But the, it's very, the problem with that, though, is <laughs> after your work is done, it becomes a grind for you just to convince yourself that you're up for going and getting a beer with people. Oh, my gosh. I know. But I'm the type of person, like, I get – I can do my job late at night, but, like, I am not a freshman in college anymore. I cannot be up till 4 and 3 a.m. I require so much sleep, so it's hard for me to rally up at the end of the night and, like, let's go get some drinks. Yeah. Hard. Or <laughs> I, I have no interest anymore, mainly because I'm tired and I have no energy. I'm 32 now. If I were single, it'd be hard because now I have no desire to gear myself up, get myself in the frame of mind, to get dressed up, go to the bar, <laughs> have some drinks with friends, try to talk yeah, to girls. Girl. I have, no, I have no energy for that anymore. No, no. And especially today when there's just so many dating apps and whatnot, it's hard to even meet people normally. Like most people are just on dating apps and they don't talk when you go out, you know? Yeah. That's the I'm weird thing. See, I didn't have to deal with that. I didn't have to deal with that. I missed that. And I'm, I'm, I'm happy about that. I'm, I'm so relieved that I got to avoid that. See, for people that don't know, it's so <laughs> impersonal to try to talk to people and date and meet people on your phone. Back in the day, if you had a 300 batting average, meaning you talked to 10 girls and three were like, oh, I kind of like you. Th that's the MVP in the Major League Baseball. You're hitting Stop. 300, you're a Major League Baseball player, right? <laughs> Fill up your roster and make sure they stay as much as possible. <laughs> right. But now they can literally look at the phone. You say something to them. Oh, that's not witty enough and never respond to you. <laughs> like, exactly. It completely <laughs> ignore you. Forever. And sliding in your DMs, you can ignore them. You'll never know this person. Yeah, it's it's weird. It's so weird. Honest. Okay, I'll tell you the truth. I've never been on a dating app before. They scare me. So I still try and meet people in person. but Like a normal human being. Yeah, like a normal human being. Because I'm not into the whole, hey, you're cute, want to hang out. To me, that's awkward. I don't want to <laughs> message someone and then being like, yo, you want to hang out? And then looking for them at a bar. Oh, hey, are you Mike? One, two, three, four. Cool. <laughs> mckenzie 25 like you know i'm not into that see that would be funny i can't imagine being a girl in this media environment and being good at my job and meeting all the people you meet because there's so many creeps out there so how many dms or texts you get from a random person that's just like sup yes sup can you get me some tickets to a game sup no. what, are you, what are you doing sup come yes. on man that's the problem with technology. I'm on Twitter and I'm covering John Doe who plays for Mississippi State Ole Miss or whatever. And all of a sudden I'm sitting in my home. I'm burnt out from covering a game. And then here comes sup. Come on, man. <laughs> ben, I've had some D not even DMs. Like I get people sometimes on Twitter that will just reply to one of my videos. It's a very serious video. It was just a game recap or something like that. And then someone will come and be like, you're pretty. 
or uh, I'm just like, thanks. Uh, <laughs> Did you like the video though? <laughs> you know uh, see, I, I don't have to get that. <laughs> I, don't, <laughs> I don't have to deal with that. Right. Next time you tweet something, I'm just going to reply and say, you're cute. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't have to get, when I put up a video, somebody saying, Hey man, you're cute. Thanks. Yeah. The You're funniest story. Back. No. This is a true story. A true story. Honest to God. I don't think I've ever told this on the podcast before, but I feel confident saying it now. So I'm going to a party. Ole Miss is going to the BBVA Compass Bowl. I get some free tickets from some Ole Miss fans, some former fraternity brothers. They wanted me to come to their yeah. party. I'm like, okay, fine. I knew it was going to happen. It means I walk in and I'm going to have to talk about Ole Miss for three hours. So I can't even go enjoy a party and drink. I got to sit there and talk about, hey, so uh, what are we looking like? And so-and-so. It's fine. It's whatever. I yeah. like it. I love my job. I really do. So... I'm in there. It's me, Hugh Kellenberger, who used to write for the Clarion Ledger, and we're walking and talking to people. And some dude comes up and he starts talking and talking. And I probably talked for like 15 minutes. He wants to know about all kinds of old stuff. It was fine. So yeah. me and Hugh walked off, and Hugh looked over at me and said, "It'd be nice if some of those dudes turned into really pretty girls that wanted to talk to us." Now we're both happily married people, but it was just <laughs> funny. It's like you still want to feel like people like you. I was walking. I was like, yeah, man, I guess that would be nice. And then the dude who had talked to us for 15 minutes had been following us. He was like, well, man, if y'all were gay. Oh, oh, what? Oh, I mean, it's following you. Yeah. And it's like, oh, that's good to know. So if hilarious, I would have died. (laughs) If my sexual preference was you, you're saying I could pick you up. That's something I didn't know I was going to learn today. Okay. Oh, so it went zero to 100 real quick. Okay. Okay. Well. <laughs> All right. We'll hit you up, buddy. <laughs> We're both married. But I mean, okay. it's cool. Do, do what you do. Do what makes you happy. I don't care. You know me. I'm a very. Yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, hold up. Wait. We're both married and have kids, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You're listening to this conversation and you just threw a pipe bomb into that. Wow. Oh, All right. My God. <laughs> this is what happens when you join me on a podcast, Mackenzie. I'm just. Talk of champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. She's Mackenzie Salmon at Mackenzie Salmon on Twitter. Digital sports reporter and videographer for the Clarion Ledger. Thanks to CJ Johnson. Thanks for coming on. Did you enjoy yourself? You can be honest. This has been so much fun, Ben. I appreciate it. Good. So maybe you won't be so scared to come back next time if I'm like, hey, Mackenzie, I need a guest co-host. Would you do it? You'd be down for it. Oh, I would love to. Okay. 100%. Sign me up. She's Mackenzie Salmon. Thanks for coming on. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for talking some baseball with me. So I either have like media friends that only know sports and they don't know anything else, or I have friends that don't know what uh, a baseball is or what a football really is. So it's like very much there's no in between. I need more in between friends. (laughs) Thank you, Mackenzie. I appreciate it. Thank you. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park This is the place where Black is the main character, where we dive into something new like the latest season of Them, The Scare, and the award-winning American fiction. Or add to the experience by buying or renting the biopic of a legend, Bob Marley, One Love. And add on channels like Paramount Plus and Stars to bask in nostalgia with Beverly Hills Cop and BMF. Explore Prime Video's culture-rated collection and enjoy old-school greats and new-school hits. Restrictions apply. See Amazon.com slash Amazon Prime for details.